and 2000 UTC. Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington, working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. The U.S. Embassy in South Sudan has condemned the killing of a medical doctor in the Unity State capital, Bantu. The United States Embassy strongly condemns the September 19th killing of Dr. Daniel Deng Gatluak a World Health Organization, WHO, health worker who is working in Bentiu, Unity State. And authorities in South Sudan say increased business opportunities in the country has given birth to human trafficking. For example, you find abduction of uh, children being exposed to work in some cattle uh, areas. There is also issues of uh, early marriage. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The U.S. Embassy in Juba has condemned the killing of an aid worker in the United State capital, Bantu. The 53-year-old medical doctor was allegedly gunned down on Monday morning during a visit of health facilities at BA camp hosting internal displaced persons. The Minister of Information in Unity State says the killing was revenge-related. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Juba. 53-year-old Dr. Daniel Deng Galwak, a paramedic with the World Health Organization and the WHO's field supervisor in Unity State, was visiting via CAMS Health Facilities Monday morning when he was shot and killed, according to state authorities. The CAM host people displaced by floods. Unity State Information Minister David Guy says the suspects are still at large. He says Dr. Galwak's killing was a revenge-related incident, resulting from a communal feud. As you know that uh, in South Sudan, when you when you are foreign kill another's uh, attack another's uh, community and they kill, and we need the letter on that so that they will look for intellectual. They want to remain, uh, and you see that they are doing that to look for that person that will kill the person, so that um, they are doing that to look for that intellectual that from that family, so that to for the revenge. Guy is urging good county community members to remain calm and not take the law into their own hands, and give authorities a chance to investigate the attack and bring the killers to justice. Maulid Berkana is the public affairs officer at the U.S. Embassy in Juba. The United States Embassy strongly condemns the September 19th killing of Dr. Daniel Deng Gatluak, a World Health Organization WHO health worker who is working in Bentiu, Unity State. Far too many aid workers have been killed in South Sudan. Berkana says it is the South Sudan government's responsibility to protect aid workers. More must be done to protect the workers who deliver valuable and life-saving services to help the South Sudanese people, including the most vulnerable people of this country. Manasseh Lomole, chairperson of the South Sudan Relief and Rehabilitation Commission, also condemned the killing, but says humanitarian agencies should inform the commission beforehand if there is a security threat to any of their employees. We really try our best to see to it that uh, humanitarian workers are protected. And what we do is whenever organizations inform us of um, 
uh, issues related to insecurity in a particular location were devised. The partners, the NGOs working in those areas to uh, ensure that these people are taken to safety. This is the only measure we can take. We also have um, personnel in different parts of, of in different states. Uh, whenever they sense danger, they alert us and we alert the partner and the, our partners return the people. The U.S. Embassy in Juba says nearly 158 workers, mostly South Sudanese, have lost their lives while providing humanitarian assistance to people since the South Sudan conflict erupted in 2013. The U.N. Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs says South Sudan continues to be the most violent country for eight workers followed by Afghanistan and Syria. The UN agency says at least five humanitarian workers have been killed in the line of duty since the beginning of 2022. For VOA News, I am Dengai Deng in Juba. Still in Juba, authorities in South Sudan say human trafficking has increased in the country due to business opportunities and the movement of people. A government task force mandated to combat human trafficking and smuggling of persons says urgent action is needed to address the problem. For VOA News, Sheila Pony has more from Juba. Sabir Wani Ladu, who coaches the government task force, says human trafficking exists in South Sudan in different forms. For example, you find abduction of uh, children being exposed to work in some cattle uh, areas. There is also issues of uh, early marriage. Uh, it is uh, considered uh, exploitation of a child. There is also some element of uh, a child being recruited by some militias and other non-organized uh, forces. As a child soldier, it is also a concern of international community that it is a form of a human uh, trafficking, uh, exploitation of a child. Also, if you go to the mining uh, areas, you may find also there is exploitation of uh, some people there being recruited, work without even rights of the workers, and then also exploitation of some uh, being used as a prostitutes. Ladu says some people from neighboring countries have been trafficked into South Sudan with the promise of getting jobs. South Sudan is a destination for the sum of uh, uh, people who are fallen into false, false uh, promise that uh, they will be fine a decent work in South Sudan, then later on they will be find themselves being exposed into a hard labor and sometimes deny, deny their rights of uh, uh, weight and sometimes some of them being exposed into hazard situation or uh, in some it is a transit in which you find some of the, the foreign citizens use the South Sudan as a transit to other countries. The task force recommends the government abide by the International Convention Against Human Trafficking. Lado says his task force has handed over its report to the Interior Ministry seeking action on its recommendations. Interior Minister Mohamud Solomon says the government needs more time to study the report and consult with the key stakeholders to ratify the loopholes in the human trafficking. This government needs more consultation, simply because 
it is a decision, and decision need to be taken by all the actors. We need to be guided by a UN body. The task force, which includes Interior and Justice Ministry officials, as well as academics from the University of Juba, found out that South Sudanese laws are silent about those engaging in trafficking. On September 12th, police in northern Bahar Ghazal State detained four Sudanese and two South Sudanese for allegedly trafficking people out of the country. The suspects were apprehended while attempting to smuggle nine people of various nationalities out of the country, according to the state police spokesperson, Captain Goodgood Akoe. This network is wider than we expect, uh, than we expected, and it is based in Juba. And the one who is heading it is an Eritrean and uh, uh, followed by uh, Sudanese. Captain Good says the victims include six Eritreans and three Somalis. All nine were being taken to Sudan when the police intercepted the traffickers along the border. God says the ringleader is an Elutian national who operates from Juba and employs South Sudanese nationals, including drivers. The South Sudanese who are with them um, are their facilitators. and They are now under deep investigation and it is good enough that our professional standard uh, unit uh, in Northern Pakistan said uh, we are keen enough to monitor such activities. At least 600 South Sudanese refugees were reportedly detained at the Sudan-Libya border in August 2019 after trying to embark on a journey to reach Europe via the Mediterranean Sea as they fled conflict prosecution and poverty in their own countries. According to Sudanese human rights activist Achol Malong, young men entered Sudan through Gok Machar in the Bahar Ghazal region. Malong says they were apprehended by anti-human trafficking security units along the Sudan-Libya border. Human trafficking is the use of force, deception or caution to obtain labor or commercial sex acts. A 2022 trafficking in persons report for South Sudan released by the U.S. Department of State recommended that South Sudan passes a comprehensive anti-trafficking law to criminalize adult sex trafficking and prescribe penalties that are significantly strained with other grave crimes such as rape. The U.S. State Department also asked South Sudan to accord to the 2000 U.N. Convention against transnational organized crime and its tip protocol for VOA News I am Sheila Pony Reports that Eritrea is mass mobilizing reserve troops has risen international concerns that the reignite war in Ethiopia's Tigray region could quickly escalate a Tigrayan forces spokesperson said Tuesday the Eritrean troops have launched a full-scale offensive supported by Ethiopian forces. Eritrean and Ethiopian officials have yet to comment on the reports or a series of airstrikes this month that hospital officials say killed Tigrayan civilians. Mohamed Yusuf reports from Nairobi. In a tweet, a spokesman for the Tigray People's Liberation Front said Eritrean forces have launched a full-scale attack in parts of the Tigray region with the help of forces from the Amhara and Afar regions. Getachi Reda said TPLF forces were defending their positions against their enemies. There was no immediate comment from Eritrean and Ethiopian authorities regarding the reported offensive. The U.S. Special Envoy for the Horn of Africa, Mike Harmer, 
ended his visit to Ethiopia last week, the third visit since he was appointed in June. In a news briefing Tuesday, Hama said Eritrea must stop interfering with its neighbors' internal affairs. We've been tracking uh, Eritrean uh, troop movements uh, across the border. Uh, they are extremely concerning and we condemn it. Uh, all uh, external foreign actors should respect uh, Ethiopia's territorial uh, integrity and avoid fueling the conflict. Uh, we couldn't be any clearer. We've said this repeatedly. Uh, we will encourage those that might uh, be able to communicate directly with Asmara that uh, this is uh, of extreme concern and, and must stop. Eritrea supported the Ethiopian government of Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed when the war between Ethiopia and the TPLF broke out in November 2020. Tigray officials accuse Eritrea of committing rights violations against its people, a claim it denies. Hassan Khananji, head of the Horn Institute for Strategic Studies, says Eritrea's mobilization of troops is guided by the government's fear of conflict spreading into its territory. There is a sense that you know Eritrea perhaps expects some kind of incursions or attack from TPLF, and so in part is an attempt to preempt that by increasing its own readiness as well as uh, being ready to be able to offer whatever support perhaps that uh, you know, Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed may need. A report released Monday by the United Nations Human Rights Council accused all sides of the Tigray conflict of crimes against humanity. It warned that resuming the conflict increased the risk of more crimes against the population. Mohamed Yusuf for VA News, Nairobi. listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, what are world leaders discussing at the UN General Assembly? Find out more after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. Question today. Is wealth an important factor when making marriage decisions? Uh, wealth is not an important factor when making marriage decisions because most wealth is best acquired when you're together as a couple. Of course. I think that any decision that involves another person, that's only fair to include wealth as, a, as an important thing. Like, I can live on almost no money, but I couldn't expect my wife or my children to. Uh, not wealth, but security, financial security. Because if you're planning to have kids, then you need to provide for them. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. A former UN Undersecretary General for Political Affairs says Africa will not be granted a seat on the UN Security Council. Ambassador James Jonas says some permanent members have refused to consider the idea of an African permanent membership since the initial proposal was made 26 years ago. He tells viewers James Batty... The 77th UN General Assembly underway provides an opportunity for African leaders to express to the world the pressing issues facing the continent. I believe this is a very, very sound proposal for this reason. 
It is the pattern that often when we have acute international problems, Africans are seldom called upon to give their views, particularly when measures are being taken to resolve them. So this is sound also because claims have been made again and again in recent weeks that Africans are the victims of Russia's war in Ukraine because of the food crisis. And if this is so, then Africa has a legitimate reason to insist that they be part of the Middle Eastern efforts. Dr. Jonas, you were at the United Nations, and as far as I can recall, every year when the United Nations General Assembly meets, African leaders make reference to the need for expansion of the UN Security Council. The president of Senegal did make that request again in his speech. Why hasn't this happened? James, I'm sorry to say that this is an embarrassing matter. After more than 25 years debate in the United Nations and outside of, of the organization, very little progress has been made. Let me tell you this fact. I was one of the African ambassadors that were approached in 1996 for a serious expansion of the Security Council. Since that time, we ran into serious roadblocks. And I think what is underneath this roadblock is the refusal some permanent members to even consider the idea of having African permanent city of the council. And that continues. So I personally know all twists and turns. I am not optimistic that at this time permanent members are willing to give serious consideration to the expansion of the council that may include African permanent seats. That was Ambassador James Jonas, a former UN Undersecretary General for Political Affairs. He spoke with my colleague James Batty. Still on UN Affairs, an international NGO known as the Stand for Life and Liberty has launched a three-month campaign for peace awareness targeting communities in Burkina Faso, Mali, Ghana, Ivory Coast, Nigeria and Cameroon. The move will also encourage young people to use their respective native languages on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. VOA's Peter Cloti spoke with Dauda Emily Odrago about the motivation behind the campaign. This campaign is uh, to sensibilize the people about uh, building the peace between the communities. And uh, the idea of uh, this uh, campaign is... Uh, to talk to the people through the young people. The young women and the, the young uh, men can uh, talk to their own language and share the good idea about uh, the peace. So this campaign will be uh, in the, the native language of the people who live in West Africa and in Central Africa, especially in Burkina Faso, in Mali, in Niger, in the Côte d'Ivoire, in Ghana, in uh, Togo, 
in the Cameroon. So this is uh, the, the, the main basis of uh, the campaign. What prompted you to launch this campaign? What is the motivation behind it? Yeah, the motivation behind that is uh, we've seen in uh, Africa, especially in West Africa, uh, they are uh, terrorism. We're going to tell that. And around Africa, they are, we have a war, we have the conflict. So we've seen that if we don't talk to the young people to build the peace in the future, it want to be hard to build the peace. This is the first reason. The second reason, we see uh, the people trying to build one community against another communities. We want to talk to the people to say we are one. We have to build the peace together because we have to live together. If not, we're going to disappear together. That uh, bring us to think about this idea and uh, to launch this campaign because it's very important that the community know when you look at in uh, another people these people is your brother these people is the same human as you how significant do you think this is for us when you take the young people to talk to another young people it is uh, the main component of the population, the youngest people. So when the p youngest people bring the peace, bring a language who build the peace, another generation can understand and another generation can follow. That's the one thing. The second thing, when you talk in your native language, Example, when the people who speak, who spoke Bambara in Ivory Coast, and uh, he have his uh, uh, same language talking in the Mali, they want to listen together and they want to bring the peace. You understand? Is uh, to break the borders between communities and to break the borders between countries. That's the most important things that we're trying to build, uh, follow, and through this campaign. Dauda, how will you manage the progress of this campaign? What are the uh, mechanisms that you put in place? How will you measure it? The measure is uh, because we're going to do the campaign through the social medias and uh, through also uh, the conventional medias. Okay, to measure this campaign, it's uh, how the youngest people want to do the videos. You understand? When we're going to get a lot of people, we're going to do the small videos. The videos will be only for uh, uh, 15 to 20 seconds to call the people to bring the peace, to build the peace. We're going to measure that our uh, message touch the people. You understand? That's the first thing. And the second thing, we're going to see uh, growing between the people uh, the peace language. And uh, to measure that, uh, we have uh, uh, on the different platforms like, uh, um, like Twitter, like Facebook, like uh, uh, Instagram, we have uh, uh, the measureness that we're going to use to see when the people want to like the message and how they want to follow the message. That's uh, the thing that we're going to 
put together to measure what we are doing. That was Daoud Emily Odrago, coordinator of the NGO Stand for Life and Liberty. He spoke with my colleague, Peter Claudie. World leaders from over 100 countries are attending the week-long UN General Assembly. UN Chief Antonio Guterres urged rich countries to tax windfall profits from fossil fuel companies and use that money to help countries harmed by the climate crisis and people who are struggling with rising food and energy prices. Addressing world leaders at the 193-member UN General Assembly, the climate activist Secretary General stepped up his attacks on oil and gas companies, which have seen their profits explode by tens of billions of dollars. Our world is in peril and paralyzed. Geopolitical divides are undermining the work of the Security Council, undermining international law, undermining trust and people's faith in democratic institutions, undermining all forms of international cooperation. We cannot go on like this. Carrying one of today's rarest commodities, hope. The United Nations Charter and the ideals it represents are in jeopardy. We have a duty to act, and yet we are gridlocked in colossal global dysfunction. International relations seem to be moving towards a G2 world. Now we risk ending up with a G nothing. No cooperation, no dialogue, no collective problem solving. There is another battle we must end, our suicidal war against nature. The fossil fuel industry is feasting on hundreds of billions of dollars in subsidies and windfall profits while households' budgets shrink and our planet burns. Excellencies, let's tell it like it is. Our world is addicted to fossil fuels and it's time for an intervention. We need to hold fossil fuel companies and their enablers to account. Is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in Focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That's all we prepared for you this Wednesday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. And for world news, go to voanews.com. If you miss this program, go to voanews.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with some rural song from Kisumu City in Kenya.
from Kisumu City in Kenya. I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us this evening. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.